It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. You know how in the Mike's on Francesa on the fan theme song, he'll say, or the song will say, we'll get you the sports any way that he can. It's Mike Francesa on the fan. Well, today is a Rico Bronia in which we're getting you the Rico and we're getting you the Mets any way that we can. I'm on vacation. I set up our little audio studio so that you could hear the waves in the background just to prove that I'm on vacation. And Pete Hoffman has been working his ass off, too. He was driving to Maryland. He was driving back to New York. But we both said we will find a way to get the Rico in. So I'm in North Carolina. He's back in New York. And if you hear what sounds like waves in the background, it's because damn right there is waves in the background what's up paul how you feeling i feel freaking amazing right now man i mean i'm a little jealous i mean i was i was at i was working hard at a tournament for like four days you're just chilling i'm it's unbelievable I'm just chilling man and, and here's where you're gonna get even more jealous as we break down this three game series against the phillies i'll describe to you how i watched each game and how i did that while on vacation and i think most people listening will will get two things out of it number one They'll confirm that I'm a psycho. But number two, they will say, that's not a bad way to watch a baseball game. That's not bad. So we'll get to all three. Obviously, it was a good weekend. The Mets take two out of three against the Philadelphia Phillies. It begins this stretch of games that I described last week as just survive. Just kind of run out the ca- run out the, the clock, if you will, and maintain the lead that you have. I don't think any of us looked at the Phillies as a threat to the National League East, but we hate Philadelphia. We hate the Phillies, and they've been playing good baseball lately. And after Keith Hernandez's comments, the last thing any of us wanted to see were the Phillies come to town and win this series. And after the the way Friday night went, and looking at having to face Zach Wheeler on Sunday, and even Aaron Nola on Saturday, despite the Mets having Jake on the mound, it didn't feel like this was going to be a series win. Because Friday was one of those losses where if the Mets weren't in the position standings-wise that we were in, That's a bad loss. That's a frustrating loss, especially when you look at the opportunities that they had, especially in the ninth inning with Marte getting the leadoff double, Lindor sacking him over to third on the flyout, and you got Daniel Vogel back. And I got to admit, I have the whole thing up because I'm watching this game in a hotel room. We we went down to North Carolina, but on Friday night after the show, we stopped in Virginia. So we stopped in Virginia at about 11 o'clock at night. I did not listen to the game on the radio. My plan was as soon as we get to the hotel – no, not as soon as. When we get to the hotel, after everybody's sleeping, I'm going to start the freaking Met game on delay. Even though it was an Apple TV Plus game, I'll give you a little secret. I got this special MLB.tv account that lets the blackouts go away. And so I was able to, with MLB.tv, start the game at about, I would say I started the game close to midnight. And my oldest son would not sleep. So he. I, I got to give him credit. He watched the whole freaking game with me, asking a million damn questions as the game was going on, including if Max Scherzer gave up a double to start the game, Dad, he's not that good. Not to explain. No, no, no. Hold on. I guess I get it. He gave up a double to Bryson Stott, and he gave up, you know, nine hits and seven innings, but he is freaking good. He only allowed one damn run. But here's the mistake I made. When Vogelback hits the line drive to left, I slapped him, friendly slap, on his arm and said, we won. (laughs) Oh, God, I regretted that. Oh, we won. 
Little did I know, obviously, that the lack of fundies Philadelphia Phillies, thank you, Keith Hernandez, would actually make a big freaking play. And I think it was Matt Veerling who was playing left field, and he makes the perfect throw to the plate, and Marte is out, and now, no, we didn't win the freaking game. And obviously the Manfred run on second base kind of screwed him. I don't want to say screwed the Mets, because look, the Mets have won a ton of games in extra innings, so they've won a lot of games with the Manfred run on second base. But it is frustrating when there's an extra inning game and the guy who's automatically on second scores in such a non-earned way. And I know that's not fair because you earn it by getting him around the bases, but the guy was already on second base. You know, sack to third, sack, fly. It just, it pisses me off. And that's not me bitching. The Philadelphia Phillies clearly won the game outright, and the Mets had a runner on second base, and they couldn't get him in. That's on the Mets. You know, Tyler Naquin's the guy who's striking out looking with a runner on third and less than two outs. So it's not, I'm not the Phillies. The Phillies are the ones who bitch. The Philly announcers are the ones who complain that the Mets are very lucky, which we'll get to in a little bit. I just hate the extra inning rule. Win, lose, or draw, I hate the extra inning rule. But I did feel as if I had jinxed the outcome when I slapped Jet on the arm as Vogelback hits the ball to left field. And I'm like, yeah, we won the freaking game. I don't know why. Off the bat, for some reason, I thought that was deeper than it was. And look, give the Philadelphia Phillies credit. Matt Veerling had to make a play. He made a play. He made a great throw to the plate. And what's kind of earned about that for Philadelphia is that when they scored their run in the top of the 10th inning, Starling Marte had a great opportunity to throw out Bryson Stott. It wasn't that deep of a fly ball to right field. And if he makes a good throw, Stott's out too. So the Mets had a chance to basically match what the Philadelphia Phillies did defensively. That's why part of why Friday stunk. That Keith Hernandez basically effed us with the whole they have no fundies. Meanwhile, the Phillies won the game because they had fundies and we didn't. We can't throw a guy out at the plate. But look, the, uh, the real reason the Mets lost is because they couldn't freaking hit. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate reason. They had opportunities in this game. They didn't do much outside of the uh, sacrifice fly by Mark Canna in the second inning. They couldn't break through against Ranger Suarez. They couldn't beat Jose Alvarado, who we all hate because of his history with Dom Smith. They couldn't hit Sir Anthony Dominguez in that ninth inning when they get a runner on second base and nobody out. So it was one of those losses where, in a different context and in a different world, we're all cursing everybody out and we're pissed off. Because that's a frustrating loss that they had in the opener of this series. The the other thing is, and this is not... This isn't really a first guess or a second guess. It was more of a thought that I had watching this game. And again, I'm watching this game three hours after it ended. So any thought that's in my mind is really irrelevant because the outcome had already been determined. But when he goes to Diaz in the ninth inning, and I get it, tie game at home, of course you're going to go to closer in the ninth inning. It's a, it's usually a no-brainer. It's 8-9-1 and one of the batting order. Knowing if the game goes 10 there's a runner on second and nobody out. So my thought was, does Buck or should Buck handle a situation like that differently, thinking, let me use my lesser reliever, because it is 8, 9, and 1. Obviously, if a couple of guys get on base, you can go to Edwin Diaz. If Michael Givens, let's say, comes on in the ninth inning and, let's say, walks Brandon Marsh or gives up a hit to Matt Veerling or gets Bryson Stott out and there's two on and one out, obviously... You don't want to risk losing this game without using your best reliever. Then you go to Edwin Diaz. But almost try to steal the three outs in the ninth, knowing it's 8-9-1. And, and also knowing if this game goes extra innings, 
I'd rather have Edwin Diaz on the mound than anybody else, obviously. You'd rather have Diaz on the mound all the time than anybody else. But when you're dealing with a runner on second, nobody out, and you're starting a situation like that, Edwin Diaz gives you an excellent chance to get out of it. So I was just thinking, I'm not criticizing Buck or even first guessing him. It was more baseball thought going through my brain of, does it make sense to try to steal those three outs in the ninth, saving Diaz for a situation where runner on second, nobody out. Now I know that contradicts a lot of things I've said over the years, which is I can't lose a game without my best reliever. I understand that. But just a thought because of this Manfred rule, am I nuts off or does that actually make a little bit of sense? No, I, listen. I, I I can't stand the Manfred rule, but I I get it. It, it does make sense. You're all you're off in other things, but that that you're pretty accurate with. <laughs> what are you drinking right now? <laughs> what, what am I today? <laughs> no, what are you drinking right now? I, I can't believe you're not drinking like a like a like a little mixed drink. You're drinking water. What's up with that? Okay, here's why I'm drinking water because I've been drinking mixed drinks and fruity alcoholic beverages all goddamn day. So right now we're at like 11 o'clock at night on Sunday night. I am now what they call off sobering up. Oh. You see what I'm doing here? Oh. Now, I'm, I want to make something clear. I am not drunk per se during this podcast, but earlier today I was. But now eh, it's 11 o'clock at night. I had to put the kids to bed. Now I'm just, I'm feeling good. I'm keeping myself hydrated with a Deer Park spring water. But thank you for asking. I appreciate it. That that was more questionable than what you were talking about with the the the, the you know the late inning rules. Listen, I can't stay late inning rules. And even in the little league tournament I was just in, we went to, we almost went to an extra inning game, and they're like, okay, it's gonna be California rules. I'm like, oh, dude, I can't stand it. I'm not a fan. Like, what a California first and second nobody out. Like what? Is- no, it's, it's second second. <laughs> is that what they- no, it's the runner on second base. It's just it's very stupid. Uh, oh. Again, I'm not a fan. I. I can't stand it. Look, I, I don't want to bitch about it because it, it's not that it's unfair. It's not unfair. Each team has the same opportunity. Like, the Mets lost this game because when they had a runner on second and nobody out in the 10th, they didn't do anything. I mean, that's the bottom line, really. It was Tyler Naquin striking out, looking, and then Guillerme grounding out. Like, it's not that it hurt the Mets. It's that it hurts my brain as a baseball fan. That's That's my only issue with it. Look, the Mets lost Friday night. Because they couldn't get a big hit. Which, for the most part, hasn't been their problem this year. I did think there were a couple of impressive things, though. Max Scherzer was great, despite being very beatable in the first two innings of this game. And that's like a traditional ace performance where you got your opportunity. And the Phillies had an opportunity to score more than one run in the first inning. And they didn't. Max got the big strike out of Derek Hall. And then in the second inning, they have another opportunity. Lead-off man on. Bases loaded two out. Alec Bohm. And Scherzer was able to make the big pitch, and I knew this not only as a Met fan, but as somebody who's watched a lot of aces over the years. Once Max got through the second inning and he didn't allow a run, I knew, okay, he's going to settle in now. There's no doubt. There's no doubt now Max Scherzer's going to kind of put it in a high gear, and he did. And he did an excellent job and somehow was able to give him seven innings because after those first two innings, concerning how many pitches he'd thrown, it was no lock that he was going to go that deep into the game. So I thought that was... a it was an ace-like performance, not in terms of dominating, but an ace-like performance in terms of you better get to him early because if you don't, you ain't getting to him at all. So from that standpoint, great job by Scherzer and great job by our boy Mark Canna because Mark Canna's put in a very tough spot in this game. Jeff McNeil cuts his finger, 
Eduardo Escobar's got a sore hip, whatever the hell he has. Like he's an old man who needs hip surgery. And Mark Hanna is moved to third base and got that one ground ball to third man, and he looked good. He made the play. So good job by Mark Hanna. And thank God the next day Jeff McNeil was back in the lineup because there are guys that the Mets can lose to injury, and you can rank them in terms of how detrimental it would be to the team. Believe it or not, I think McNeil's up there. I'm not saying he's top. I'm not saying he's ahead of Alonzo or ahead of Lindor or ahead of any of the big pitchers. But his ability to come through with that big two-out hit, with that big soft contact hit that turns and pisses off the Philadelphia Phillies, his versatility, his ability to play the outfield, to play second base. I think he's had a great year defensively. I think he's had a better year defensively at second base than he's had at any year. It would be tough to lose him. And he comes back the next day, and outside of, like, one lousy throw, he actually looked pretty good. So, thank God he's okay. Obviously, Escobar's okay because he came back on Sunday, and they may need him considering the Luis Guillerme situation from the finale of this series. And we'll get to that coming up because there's some interesting ideas and rumors about who they may call up if Guillerme goes on the injured list. But let's get to Saturday because Saturday was an event. Jacob freaking DeGrom on the mound, start number two at City Field, his third start back. Let me tell you something. Watching this guy pitch is like a religious experience. When you watch Jacob DeGrom on the mound and right out of the gate, he's freezing Bryson Stott. Right out of the gate, he's throwing a slider that's unhittable. Right out of the gate, you see the brilliance. By the way, right out of the gate, he gave up that base hit to Reese Hoskins, a little blooper. I was thrilled about that. Because I have a fear of God, Hoff, that I'm going to miss a Jacob DeGrom perfect game. That I won't be in the building for DeGrom 27 up, 27 down. So I'll admit it. While I'm sitting in North Carolina by a freaking pool, when Hoskins dunks in that base hit, there was a ah, I got <laughs> a very selfish sigh of relief is that, is when that, that happened. Is that like is that like one one thing that can't like? Th- there's been regrets in our lives about games we could have gone to, could not have gone to. Jacob Degrom, if he pitches a no hitter, you not being there is that like the like if he pitches one on the road, is that the same? It, it was not the same feeling, right? Because clearly he's not. Uh, no. no, I mean, look, he does something on the road. I mean, the the odds are I'm not going to be there. And look, I wouldn't have a, a regret. A regret's not the right word because I'm on vacation. I knew that nine months ago when it was planned. I knew the Mets were playing the Phillies on a Saturday. And I knew I'd miss those games. So it would be bad timing would probably be the word. But there wouldn't be a regret of I could have been there. If I missed the start because I decided I'm not going that night, (laughs) that's a regret. Right. And it's funny. My wife knows. She knows. She's like, I know you're going to rearrange your Mets schedule to make sure you're a Jacob deGrom start. And she's right. That's how I've handled it. <laughs> really, I, honestly, since 2017, even before he became the modern Jacob deGrom, because I've always loved the guy. And so I'm at the point in my life where I do go to a lot of games, obviously, but I'm not going to every game. You know, I'm not going to 81 games. I may go to a lot of games, but it's not every single game. So you have to make decisions between, am I going Tuesday or am I going Wednesday? You know, I make that decision a lot throughout a season. When Jake's in the rotation, he makes the decision for me. By the way, there's a critter on my leg right now. I and mean, it's one of the biggest bugs I've ever seen. And for whatever reason, I'm not freaked out by it. Like, giant bugs climbing up my leg. I'm just like, whatever. I just, I just kind of, like, flick them away. I'm like, all right, get the hell away from me. It's like a daddy long legs on steroids. 
like like the size of like like a silver dollar type of thing. What are we talking about here? How big is this thing? Like you you you. It was a skinny skinny bug, so it's not like thick, but it was okay. skinny, and it was like describe it. I'm showing off with my hands. What would you say? Like a foot? I mean, six inches. I'm telling you. Next time I get one, I'm gonna grab it. Oh, I see one right now. I'm gonna. What I don't do? want to grab them. What do they do? You just <laughs> grabbing these insects? What is going on there, dude? I'm not grabbing it. I'm, I, I flicked one off my leg before, <laughs> but I see walking around on the deck. Right now, I'm recording this on a deck in North Carolina. I purposely have the beach behind me just so Pete can stare at the beach. But it's yes. nighttime, so you really can't see anything, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, but no, it there's bugs beautiful. everywhere. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's beautiful. 